ladies and gentlemen, hope you guys are having a great day today and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzi program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. Well, today we're going to be talking about the GameStop slash Reddit debacle that's been happening in the markets. I've been, I've been, I'm dying, I've been biting at the chomp to talk about it. I've been doing a lot of research on it over throughout the weekend and there's a lot of implications that some people have mentioned, some people have not. I wanted to give my take on it and to kind of just show and talk about what I think is really happening and what really caused it and, and all, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to get d- deep into that. But if you guys are just joining me for the very first time today, first and foremost, I want to say welcome. Thank you for coming here and spending some time with me. It's absolutely amazing. You guys are willing to come here and spend your time and your your limited time with me every week. It, it's amazing. Thank you so much. I absolutely love it. If you guys are loving the show, you're getting a lot of value out of the content that I'm producing here, then please do me a couple things. First and foremost, leave me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think it's worth it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is really, it's pivotal, okay? This is pivotal for the success of the show. It's pivotal for the success of the Liberty Lifestyle and, and all the message that I'm trying to get out here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's absolutely pivotal. So if you guys are loving this, if you're getting a lot of value out of it, then please leave me a rating and review. It just it lets other people know about the show. It gets the show to be more visible, and it just it, it allows other people to know about it, and it helps us to spread this message of financial freedom and, again, that Liberty Lifestyle message. Libertarianism, Austrian economics, all that kind of stuff. So if you're loving this this show and you're loving the message, then please give me a rating review on iTunes. And also make sure to share the show. A lot of you guys, you love this stuff and you're coming here all the time. If you get a lot of value out of it, then don't keep it to yourself. Please share the show and allow other people to find it and allow other people to to get value out of it as well. So if you if you're loving the show, make sure to share. I always say share it with three people. One per, two people you know that you're going to love it and maybe one person you're not really sure about but you think they need to hear it it would benefit their life. So if you're loving it, make sure to do that. And also, uh, last but not least, I forgot to mention this before. If you're loving the show, you're getting a lot of value out of it. If you want to support the show, then become a supporting listener. Supporting listeners get a lot of great features. You know, you guys get access to the Matthew Specific Elite group. It is my group that we are going to be creating and growing into a group of individuals who all want to come and help each other become financially free and to help each other live that liberty lifestyle. And we won't just be talking about entrepreneurship and business and stuff. We'll be talking about economics, Austrian economics. We'll be talking about politics. We'll be talking about a lot of different things. So it's going to be really great. I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a big, big thing. I think it's going to be very, very helpful for you guys and on your journeys to becoming financially free. And also, if you just want to, you know, be engaged in the show and supporting the show, this is a great way to do that. Also, you get access as an added bonus to the Liberty Informant, where I come in and I read articles from the the Foundation for Economic Education, the American Institute for Economic Research, and the Mises Institute, as well as Intellectual Takeout now. So I do, I read articles for you guys, and I do it for a number of reasons. A, yes, the content is free. You can go read it on your own if you have the time and if you actually want to, but there's a lot of people out there who don't have the time and they really want to engage in the content. They just don't have the time to keep up with everything. And while I'm not actually going to be recording absolutely everything that gets posted there, because that's a massive amount of work, and I would literally have to be doing that full time, and literally that would be like all I do if I did something like that. You know, that's going to be a lot of work. But I do try to get a lot of the really good ones, a lot of the highlights, and I try to I try to record a lot of those for you guys so you guys can listen to them whenever, when it's ever convenient for you to listen to. So like, I don't know, you know, on your lunch break, 
If you're not really doing anything other than just eating, great time to do it. Maybe right before you go to bed. Maybe, you know, when you're when you're driving around or, you know, going to work or stuff of that nature. It's really, really good stuff. So if you guys are interested, and more importantly, I guess, than all of that, is that it gives you the ability to see what I'm reading. See, I read articles every single week. I'm always keeping myself educated on economic activity, all this kind of stuff. I do that every single week. And I'm always keeping myself educated, keeping myself up to date on what's happening and it, it's a, it's really the source of a lot of my knowledge. I mean, I read articles all the time. You could probably fill several, several hundred books with the number of articles that I read and all that stuff. So if you guys want to see what I'm reading, you guys want to see what I'm doing, then that's another great way of getting access to it is through the Liberty Informant. So if you guys want to support the show, that's the best way to do it. You'll get access to the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group. And you'll get access to Liberty Informant as well. And on top of that, if you, if you are in the group, you know, here's another thing. You can become a contact on MeWe. It's a, it's on MeWe, by the way. So you can become a contact on MeWe. Now, if you go look for it, you're not going to find it. It's a, it's a secret group. I will send you an invite link. You can you you will have to apply and whatnot. And I'll be matching up your contact information, your name with the email address, and just to ensure that you are, in fact, who you say you are and all that kind of stuff. So, but I will email you, okay? When you subscribe, you know, I'll get your email address and I'll email you the information, the contact information that you need in order to get access to it. And when all that happens, you, you, you know, you'll, you'll get to join the group. But when you do, you'll get to add me as a contact on MeWe. And on top of that, you will get to directly have access to me. So now it, here's how this is a little different. If you were to just go on MeWe, you could add me as a contact. In fact, I highly encourage you guys to do it. That way you could see the things that I'm posting and whatnot. That's totally for free. So if you guys want to get access to me, I'm in a lot of different places. I'm in, I'm at Gab, I'm at Parler. I'm at pretty much all the alternative sources, a lot of the alternative sources. I'm trying to be in spread, spread the message as far as many places as I can. It's a ton of work, by the way. It takes hours to be on so many different platforms, but you know, I'm trying to do all that. And, uh, you know, MeWe is a place that I, that I frequent. I'm on Minds.com as well. You guys can follow me. If you want to follow me, if you want to find out all the information of where I'm at, just go on the, the show notes page, scroll down. You'll see a follow me section. There's tons of different places that I'm at. So go follow me on all of them if you want, you know, but if you want to be on, if you want to add me on MeWe, you can directly contact me there, but I'm not going to get at, be able to get to every single person if you do that. So if you want to get more access to me, you want to ask me questions, you want to talk to me about something, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, I don't promise that I'm going to be able to answer everyone and be able to, you know, get every single person because there's a lot of you and a lot more than there's a lot more of you than there is of me. There's only one of me and there's tons of you. So with that stated, if that's something you guys want to do, uh, if you want more access to me, then you got to be part of the group. You got to be a supporting listener. And, you know, um, naturally I'm going to give uh, special privileges to those individuals who are supporting the show. If you want to ask me about my experience, and if you want to ask me questions with regards to options trading, uh, Forex trading, stock investing, whatever, you want to ask me questions about all that, I will. I can help you out. I can show you the resources, uh, you know, where you can go, where you can get yourself educated. I can show you all that stuff. So, if you guys are interested in that, become a supporting listener and get access to me on top of all the other special bonuses. All right, that said, ladies and gentlemen, so in the last episode, I'll be honest, I didn't fully know what I wanted to talk about. 
So we ended up talking about a lot of really great stuff. We talked about some economic stuff, diminishing marginal utility. We talked about uh, inflation, the Austrian view of what inflation is, not the Keynesian view of what inflation is, which by the way, the Austrian view is the the increase in the, in the money supply, whereas the Keynesians just say it's an increase in general prices. Uh, the general prices is merely a symptom of the increase in the money supply. You, know, you can't have prices going higher on a permanent basis indefinitely without creating new money. That's just how it works. So, you know, we talk about a lot of that and then we went into diminishing marginal utility and it really, okay, I'll be honest, the definition of inflation by Austrians, I'm not trying to say that they're the ones that came up with it. It's just they're the ones that, that still hold to that old school definition of inflation today. Whereas the modern definition is just focusing on prices and it doesn't really help you to understand what causes those prices. So anyways, that said, we talked about that kind of stuff. We talked, I gave you guys how I view, you know, diminishing marginal utility and the, the hierarchy scale and whatnot. We talked about that. That was really great stuff. I love that stuff. I love talking about economics and whatnot. It's, it's a huge passion of mine. It really is. And I'm a huge, avid uh, Austrian economic enthusiast is the way I like to describe myself. Uh, so anyways, that stuff is great. And then we also talked about you know, how there were a lot of liberty-loving individuals out there who fell for the virus and why and how that all happened and whatnot. I gave my opinions on that, and that was also really good. By the way, there's a war, you know, spoiler alert, there's a war on going on for your mind, and we're in a constant state of war, and we need to be aware of the tactics the, enemies are, the enemy is using in order to manipulate and control us. So just to, you know, that I more or less said that in that episode. It was a great episode. If you haven't listened to it, I highly encourage you guys to go listen to it. It was a great episode and whatnot. And hey, if you um, if you want, you know, take the 10 episode challenge. Listen to the last 10 episodes of the show and you will get more value out of the show. There's a lot of great content back there. You might as well, you know, there's good stuff. So anyways, that said, I wanted to talk today about the whole debacle and about, uh, you know, GameStop and basically how I think it's really more of a financial revolution that's kind of going on and not really in a socialist sense. When you always hear about a revolution, you always hear about wars and violence and socialism and communism. They love revolutions. They always talk about revolutions all the time. They love destroying people's lives is effectively what they like to do. They're, they're a bunch of, uh, a bunch of children that want to destroy people's lives because there's a lot of people who don't agree with them and they want to force you to, to agree. Uh, yeah, very, very children-like. But in this revolution, you know, we had a situation. So for those of you guys who don't know, if you're not familiar with what's what's going on, on the stock market, you know, there, there was a, the company GameStop, okay? GameStop is a, a retail store that you can go and you can buy video games at. You know, I, I've gone there ever since I was a, a teenager. I'm a huge video gamer. I'm very familiar with it. So this kind of has a, a little bit of a nostalgia there. I mean, anytime I go into GameStop, I'm just like, oh man, I remember. I don't go in there hardly ever these days. Last time I went in there was to buy the most recent Call of Duty video game, and it was really for uh, more of a Christmas present for me. But it was actually, it wasn't this last Christmas that I got it. It was, I think, the Christmas before last. So, but anyways, it was really, really great, and I really, really loved going in there. It's just, I don't know, I used to go in there all the time to buy video games and, and all that kind of stuff. It was a great place to go. Well, you know, there's they haven't been doing very well. For those of you guys who don't know, they're, they're a brick-and-mortar store, and there's most of the newer generation of gamers, they prefer to play games on their iPhones, their iPads, their or tablets or whatever, or they just prefer to digitally download the games direct from the manufacturer of the video game, directly from the creators of the video games. You know, and this is creating 
a very, very, very large problem for a company that sells physical copies of the game. Now, I don't know about you, okay? I'm old school. I like to have physical copies of everything that's digital, if I can. If I've got an operating system I, that's on my computer, I want a physical copy of it if I can get it. If I got a video game or a movie or whatever, I want a physical copy of all of it. Anyways, that said, I love going to GameStop. But Amazon has been making it easier for me to order video games and stuff on Amazon now. People are digitally downloading them and people who are buying them physically are buying them on Amazon. So GameStop has been struggling. They're closing stores. They have not been doing well. But a couple of days ago... GameStop's stock in the stock market skyrocketed. Like, literally, it was sub $20. It was under $20. It was, it was hovering, uh, sometimes it was like $11, but it was usually under 20 bucks. And all of a sudden, it skyrocketed to over $300 a share. Now, if you look at the financial statements of GameStop, you're like, what the heck caused this? There is no fundamentals that suggest that GameStop should have, I think, 20 billion market capitalization. Like, that's what the company's worth on the market, right? That's how many, if you combine all the amount of stocks that are existent and the price of the stock, that makes it like worth $20 billion. A company that is losing money, a company that's been struggling like GameStop, and you're telling me that it's worth it's worth three, over $300 a share? That's absurd. That makes no sense, no financial sense at all. See, it doesn't make sense, though, because what's really happening is a financial revolution. People are not behaving rationally. So what actually happened? Here's how the story goes, is that there is a Reddit group called Wall Street Bets, and they were effectively going out, and they were pissed. What, one thing they discovered is they, they, they discovered that GameStop was one of the most heavily shorted companies on the market. Now, this is we're going to get into some dicey market technical stuff. I mean, it's actually very basic information. If you guys are interested in trading, you'll learn it pretty fast. It's the, it's very, very like trading 101, right? But for those of you who aren't aware of this, you know, you need to be aware of it. Now, granted, this is all over everywhere. If it's on Zero Hedge, it's on Investopedia.com, it's everywhere. It's on probably on the news. So many of you probably have learned about it already. So I'm just going to, you know, Go ahead and give it. So what is shorting? Shorting is a way for traders to make money in the markets when a stock falls in value. Okay, you can use this on any market. And what it is, is it's where you basically take stock that you borrowed from somebody else. Okay, so it's usually the broker. You Usually you're borrowing stock from the broker. And you're taking the stock and you're borrowing it from the broker and you're selling it at a high price. So let's say the price is uh, $300 today, but you think the stock is going to fall. So you want to make money off that. Well, Wall Street came out and created shorting so that they could provide people the ability to make money on the shorts. This not only increased Wall Street's money because a lot of brokers get to, to charge you money for the transactions, although a lot of people now, the transactions are free. So uh, that's not really happening anymore. But they created, it provide, it, it does a lot of really good things. Shorting is not some evil, uh, immoral thing that people think about, but we'll get into that in, in, in a couple minutes here. But basically, shorting is the process of borrowing stock from the broker 
so that you can sell it at a high price. Okay. In our example, it's $300. We're going to borrow stock that somebody else's owns. It doesn't always have to be the broker. Okay. It can be somebody else, but it's usually the broker. The broker owns these stocks. They will give it to you, let you borrow it so that you can sell it at the $300 price range. You would only do this if you felt that the stock was going to fall because this is how it works. You borrow the stock, you sell it at the high price. The stock falls in value. Okay. And then you buy it back at the cheap value, the cheaper value, and you give it back to the broker. But here's the thing. You get to keep the difference. So if you sold it at $300 and it fell to $250, and after you give it back to the broker, you get to keep the $50. Now, the broker or whoever you're borrowing the stock from, most, like I said, most of the time it's the broker, they get their stock back and it's, it's not as valuable as it once was. Now, before they would charge you money to do this and that's how they were making money. Now, they're making money in other ways. But that's, that was the process of short selling. You're selling borrowed stocks, buying them back at the bottom and giving them back to whoever you borrow from and, and thereby you get to keep the difference between when you sold it and when you bought it. But that's how you make money with short selling. Pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, I didn't know any of this stuff years and years and years ago. And I mean, it's pretty cool stuff, stuff that most people really are not aware of. If you guys are coming here and you're listening to the show and whatnot, you guys are going to be more well-educated than the vast majority of people in the world. Most people don't even know that this stuff exists. Like the, the Forex market, it's the largest financial market in the world that the vast majority of people don't even know exists. It's no secret. Just most people don't know it. Most people are aware of the bond market, stock market and stuff like that, but they don't understand the technical aspects. And shorting is definitely one of those technical aspects. They don't really get that. But that said, that's how short selling works. Well, these retail traders, a retail trader is the term that's used to describe a trader that does not come from a financial institution like a hedge fund or a company that manages 401ks or something. They're not institutional, right? They don't have a lot of money. They're just individual people that are trading on the markets. That's all a retail trader is. Well, anyways, you know, this Reddit group, Wall Street Bets, it's a bunch of retail traders that decided they discovered that there's a lot of sh- that, that GameStop is one of the most heavily shorted companies in the market today. And they're like, you know, okay, they understand that GameStop isn't doing very well, but GameStop is currently working on transitioning over to be more of like an Amazon, but just for video games. You can get a lot of video games and stuff like that. Maybe there'll even be a place where you can do digital downloads and they're trying to close their stores and buy up a whole bunch of server space and stuff like that. They're trying to make the transition. There's a lot of people who love GameStop, particularly in this whole COVID lockdown world. Tons of people are playing video games and there are many people that have that nostalgic love for GameStop like I do. I mean, like I said, I've been going there since I was in high school. Now, I don't frequent there as often now that I got a kid and I'm trying to work on a business and, you know, my passions have changed. I'm not playing video games as often, but I still love the idea. I still loved it. The last time I went into it, into the store a couple of years ago, it was still great. It was, it was awesome and I loved it. It was amazing. And well, anyways... They're not doing very well, and there were a couple of hedge fund companies that hedge funds are companies that manage other people money, other people's money. A lot of times, people look at the hedge funds and they think of hedge funds as these rich, wealthy, fat 
cats, the elites of our world, right? We talk about the oligarchy that exists in America today between big corporations and government, right? And the big top executives and stuff of that nature. Well, a lot of, well, the hedge funds would typically be associated with that. They're part of that ruling class. They're a bit, they're a big financial company that manages other people's money and they help them to get good, safe returns on the market. Not necessarily returns that are better than the market, but safe returns, or at least what they think is safe. Largely, a lot of times, there's highly intelligent people that work at these hedge funds, but they cannot guarantee the safety of your money, okay? That's just the truth of it. When the stock market goes down, everything burns, and there's largely nothing you can do about it, all right? Largely, what's happening is that the U.S. dollar is appreciating against the stocks. When when the stocks are falling, typically you want to be in, in US dollars, okay? That's not financial advice, okay? I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not licensed. Don't trust anything I say. Uh, my results that I've had in trading, my experience is not normal, whatever. You're probably going to lose money, yada, 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 yada. There you go. There's your disclaimer for the big overlords that rule over all of us. So anyways, okay? Not a licensed individual. This is not financial advice. But for me, if the stock, mar- if the stock market was to tank, what does it mean when prices are falling? When prices are falling, that means your dollar, your currency gets to buy a lot more for its money, right? You get a lot more value for your money. That's what it means. So when the market is falling, everything falls. Everything falls from current, from silver and gold, everything, everything burns, ladies and gentlemen, okay? These hedge funds, a lot of people think of them as big fat cats, the money that they manage is not always big fat cats. They don't just only take million dollar portfolios or, or things of that nature. No, they're taking your mom and pop's 401ks and IRAs. Your mom and pop are paying these hedge funds to manage the 401ks and the IRAs. And why? Because the hedge funds are very, very smart and they're very good at marketing themselves as someone who can give you good, decent returns, maybe not better returns in the market, but decent returns that are safe according to them. So air quotes when you hear the word safe. Okay. And that's what they're doing. That's why people give them the money because they say, well, I'll give you returns that are safe and secured. They're not really safe and secure. It's a bunch of hogwash, but that's what they're sold. But the people that pay these hedge funds, they're mom and pops. Everyday people have money that's managed by these hedge funds. The hedge funds, the executives, yes, they take fat checks. These people are, are, are rich and wealthy. They're part of the ruling class, the people that run these hedge funds. Absolutely, that is, the, that, that is true. But the money that's in the hedge funds, the business that, that the, the people that the hedge fund serves are everyday people. So if the hedge fund goes under, how do you think that affects everyday people? It's going to hurt everyday people who have their money with these hedge funds that they're managing. But you see, that's not really how a lot of people view it. A lot of people view it as the hedge funds are the big, fat, wealthy, fat cats, and we need to stick it to them. They have been screwing us. They're screwing GameStop. They're shorting the market. They're borrowing shares, and they're selling them at the top, and they're doing this with a lot of shares, okay? So it's making the price of the stock fall, and we're mad because they're screwing us. We love GameStop. We love all these companies. There was other companies that they were doing this with, right? Uh, BlackBerry, AMC, stuff like this. Just companies that have been struggling for a long time. And again, there's nothing wrong with short selling. Okay, short selling is very, very good for the economy. It adds liquidity. What is liquidity? Liquidity is the ability to sell. When you measure liquidity, you are measuring how easily you can sell a particular item. That's all it means. Again, just like economics, the financial markets use a lot of fancy terminology that doesn't mean anything really fancy at all. 
It's just they use a lot of fancy terminology to make sure you don't know what they're doing. You know why they want you to do this? You want you know why they want you to be confused? Is so that you pay them to do it for you. Is so that you listen to them. They don't want you to be able to think. They don't want you to be able to do any of that stuff. They want you to be wholly and completely dependent on them and the industry. That's why economists today come up with a lot of fancy terminology, right, to keep you unaware of what's really going on. And I'm not trying to say that's every economist. I'm not trying to say that's the the case for the Austrian school. I think it also just becomes habit. But, you know, a lot of times they come up with these fancy terms that keep you confused and make you think you're too dumb to understand. You're not dumb. You're not too dumb to understand it. You can understand it. You just need to take the time to learn what those words mean, right? So, but, you know, Wall Street's the same way. Uh, Law, the legal industry, the industry that surrounds like attorneys and law and stuff, they do the same thing. Fancy terminologies that mean very simplistic things. They just say it to keep you confused so that you don't know what you don't know what they're talking about. Makes them feel smart, makes them feel great, makes them feel superior to you. They're really not. Again, there is no such thing as an infallible human being. If they ble- if they bleed, they're fallible. They got hands and fingers, they're fallible. If they got a brain, they're fallible. Okay. But anyways, with that stated, there's nothing wrong with short selling, ladies and gentlemen. There isn't. Short selling helps to provide liquidity. It helps to give traders and investors the ability to get out of their positions when the market is falling. When you don't have liquidity in a market, let's say you make it illegal for people to, to short sell the stock. Okay, you're not allowed to short sell because they see it as an immoral thing. You're hurting business owners you're, and thereby you're hurting everyday employees and everyday people. And they say that they want to help the little guy. So they say that short selling is illegal because it hurts the little guy. And while it does hurt, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to act like it doesn't. It is nothing wrong because what happens if you're not allowed to short sell, if you're not allowed to sell at all, let's just say that you're never allowed to sell. What it does is it highly limits the amount of transactions that are occurring, the amount of stock that's changing hands. All right. There's, it highly limits the amount of people that are buying and selling. And let's say that you've got these guys, a couple of investors, let's say you got some big wealthy fat cats who own hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of stocks, maybe millions of stocks, and they're not selling. And there's only a limited supply of the stock. Let's say that they're not creating new stock, right? Sometimes companies create new stock and do stock splits and a whole host of other things to provide liquidity. That could be a reasoning for it. But let's say that doesn't happen. Okay. And again, I just mentioned another term, stock splits. I'm not going to define it. All right. I, this show is already getting long enough and I haven't even talked about everything I wanted to talk about. It's just, it's highly complex stuff. It's complicated. It's a complicated situation. So if you had a situation like I'm describing, and you have a limited number of stocks that are on the market, and a lot of people end up owning those stocks, but they don't sell, then all it, it doesn't take much to swing the price of the stock. Every time you buy or sell the stock now causes massive price swings, right? Big moves in prices. They call this volatility. So every time you sell, it might make the stock go down 20 to 30 bucks. That's a huge move. Okay. If it goes up, 
you know, maybe even hundreds of dollars. If you buy even a little bit, it could go up. It reduces, you're basically reducing the amount of volume that the amount of stocks that are, that, that are changing hands, you're reducing that. And when you reduce it, you cause instability in the price of the, whatever you're talking of the stock, whatever you're talking about, right? Well, okay, so what this what what does this mean? How does this apply to what we're saying? Well, short selling gives people the ability to make money by selling the stock at the top and buying it back at the bottom and pocketing the difference. This increases the demand for people to buy the stock again. So let's assume that you're not trying to short sell. You're not a trader. You're just an investor. Investors just buy for the long haul. Let's assume that's the case. And let's assume that you're scared that the market's going to tank. So you want to get out. You want to sell. Okay. Well, what happens if you, you act a little late and the market's already falling? What do you do? Well, you try to sell that, th- that, that stuff as fast as you can. You, you're clicking the button. You're like smashing the button on your mouse. You're like, come on, sell, sell, sell. <laughs> right? That's what you're doing. You're panicking. If you didn't have short selling, okay, guess what? Unless you got someone out there who is paid to buy it and take the loss, you got no one to sell to. You're screwed. You're holding the empty bag. Good luck. But with short sellers, guess what? There's someone that can come along and say, huh, I'm looking at the price of the stock, I think it's going to fall more. I think I can make money. I think that's still a high price to go. I think it's going to fall way more. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy your stock for you. I'm going to get you out of your posi- your position so you can you can cut your losses and you can you can breathe a sigh of relief. You're like, oh, okay, we're, we're good. We're good. I've lost my money, but I'm just happy. I haven't, I haven't lost it all, right? Lost a lot, but I'm, you know, did, I haven't tanked my entire portfolio, right? When now, you know, and, and the other guy's like, yes, I'm going to make money. This thing's going to tank and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make tons of money. So it provides the ability for people to, to get you out of a position you don't want to be in. It provides demand to purchase those shares, right? Because in the end, even if you're short selling while you're borrowing somebody else's stocks and you're selling them at the top, you still have to buy them back at the bottom. You still have to buy at some point. So a lot of times what it typically results in is, yes, it results in a decline in the stock, but then usually the stock pops right back up whenever you you, you got to buy back in. Otherwise, you're just going to, you can't just stay in there forever. So anyways, all that being said, we've hammered out what short selling is. We've hammered out the the benefits of it. it. Helps to smooth out prices. It contributes to prices not being so volatile and so violently changing directions and whatnot because it provides liquidity. There's also one other reason that I'm going to mention here very briefly. It helps keep businesses honest. Okay, lots of businesses out there like to cheat. Well, I say cheat. Technically, it's perfectly legal for them to do this, but they like to basically take their balance sheets and their, their their financial statements, and they like to kind of finagle them. They like to manipulate them to make it look like they're in a better financial situation than what they really are in. Well, there are people out, there are investors, there are traders out there who like to do heavy research on this stuff, and they've term, determined that that doesn't add up. Your sales aren't coming in. Your, 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 your cash flow is not good. We're going to punish you for lying by short selling and causing your, your stock to tank. It helps keep businesses honest, okay? You know, you can't always assume that the business is the uh, the white hat in this situation. 
you know, there really are no white hats. Everyone's just operating off their own self-interest. You know, it's within the company's interest to hide how successful they really are, how successful or not they really are. They're highly successful. They want to share it to you. When they're not, they don't really want to share that information because they don't want people to sell the stocks. Well, the well-informed trader slash investor comes along and says, oh, by the way, you're not doing as well as you think you are. We're going to short your stock. And it helps to keep businesses honest. So not only does it provide liquidity, it helps to smooth out prices, it helps to stabilize prices to some extent and on all that kind of stuff. It also helps to keep businesses honest. There's, there's a lot of really good stuff. Really, I kind of view uh, shorting as a very heroic thing. And this group, Wall Street Bets, is like, oh, these dirty hedge funds, you know, whatever, rich fat cats, you know, they're just screwing this over. It's like, first and foremost, the money that they're holding and they're managing... It's money from everyday people, right? Some people have a lot of money with them, maybe $500,000. It's really not that much money in the grand scheme of things. You're really not that wealthy with even that kind of money. But they've got smaller portfolios than that. They've got everyday people stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're paying a lot for a service that frankly, (laughs) arguably you could say that they don't need and they they probably shouldn't be paying for, but a good hedge fund can be very beneficial for some people and they can try and protect people against the the downside risks of being involved in the market. You see, unfortunately, we have this this idea that the market is some safe place. You know, we just put our money in there every single year. You've got all this money in your 401k. You rarely ever look at it and you only look at it when you're making money. And when you're not, you don't want to look at it at all. You know, you just want to dig your head in the sand and you just want to put your money and let it sit there forever. This is a false narrative. This is a lie. Okay. This is part of the ruling class trying to sucker you in to sell you a ton of stuff so they can make money at your expense. But in reality, what's happening is you're being screwed and the stock market is not somewhere that you want to put money that you can't afford to lose. Guess what? Your retirement is not something you can afford to lose. Okay. And yet we do it all the time. We think it's safe. Oh yeah. Just buy, you know, dollar cost average. Just buy, just buy tons. Just constantly buy no matter what. Who do you think that benefits? Think that really benefits you? Uh, no, 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 it does not in the long term. It might benefit you in the short term to some extent. It certainly doesn't. The longer you have you hold any asset, the riskier it becomes because you don't know what's going on out there. You don't know, could you get a better return somewhere else? The opportunity costs. There's a lot of other things you need to think about. But when you're just holding your money in the stock market, guess what? You're being charged fees for people who are managing that money. You're being charged all kinds of money. You're paying all kinds of stuff. Okay. I mean, if you use exchange-traded funds, they can be cheap, but still, you're still paying money. Someone's still managing the money to some extent. Someone's still determining how the the fund that you're invested in is balanced, right? They're making money off of you. You're giving them your money, and then they're also charging you money to manage your money. So I don't like this whole populist idea, this whole populist mentality around this Wall Street bets. I don't like that, that they just want to stick it to the man. They just want to stick it to the, you know, the wealthy fat cats. And it's like, in reality, you know, look, these people are everyday people, okay? They're everyday people. These people, yeah, while there are rich and wealthy fat cats who own and operate the business, the executives, you know, I mean, the the money that they're that they're basically using is not from all rich and wealthy fat cats, you know, and on top of that, short selling is a rather heroic thing. In my opinion, it's nothing wrong. It's necessary for price discovery in the economy and for the stocks and stuff. It helps to determine the prices. It's part of the mechanism. There's nothing wrong with it. 
But if you hear the, the Wall Street Bets people, they think differently. But anyways, so with that being said, you know, what happened was that the retail traders at Wall Street Bets, they decided to come out there and they figured out that GameStop was one of the most heavily shorted companies in the market. And they figured if we can pop the stock high enough by buying a ton, millions of dollars worth, then these companies, these hedge funds, they've got stop losses, right? They've got a certain amount of money that they're risking. And so these hedge funds, they're borrowing money, okay? A lot of times these positions that the hedge funds have, the shorts that the hedge funds have, it's with borrowed money. So you, you know how shorts work with borrowing stocks. Well, there's something else that you can do in the market called margin trading, okay? It means that you're borrowing money from the broker to buy assets, stocks, whatever, that you currently do not have money to possess, in some cases, like in the stock and the forex market, you could borrow a lot of money. You can you can do up to a hundred to one. So you could control a hundred dollars worth for like one dollar or something of that nature. And you know, if you do this, then the brokers can mandate that you have to have fifty percent of the position that you're borrowing from and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Again, this is called trading on the margin. Okay? You're borrowing money. So this is what the hedge funds were doing. They were borrowing the money in order to engage in a massive amount of shorting orders. Okay, they had all these orders in there. They got tons of short positions. And a lot of it, if not all of it, was with borrowed money. Very, very, very risky stuff. Because guess what? When any position you engage in in the markets, if it's with borrowed money, if if you start losing a certain amount of money, once there is a limit as to how much money you can lose with borrowed money. If you lose a certain amount, the broker will do something called a margin call. And you can guess what that is. It's not not rocket science. They're basically saying you've lost more, uh, too much of our money. We are forcing you to get out of your position and to give our money back. You either need, you need to get out of your position. We're going to close your position for you. We're not even going to give you the ability to do it yourself. No, we're closing the position for you. And then we're going to mandate that you either deposit more money or you're going to be in trouble. You, you have to give us the money back. It's, it's very risky stuff when you're trading with borrowed money, or at least it can be. Most of the time, if you're managing your risk appropriately, there's really nothing wrong with it. You know, you just got to be careful. You got to manage your risk appropriately. You got to be very well educated on it, right? You know, the more, the more you know about it, the less risky it becomes. So, you know, with that said, it's not wrong for them to do this, but they were taking some very, very big risks. Now, what they could have done is they could have hedged their bets. In order to reduce risk, they could have used option contracts. We're not going to get into a lot of that, but they could have done things to reduce how much how much risk they had so that if it did go against them, they didn't get totally screwed. Well, there was a lot of hedge funds that didn't do this. They just borrowed the money and traded, and they thought it was a done deal, guaranteed. There's high chances here that this is going to move in our favor. We don't need to worry. Well, guess what? Wall Street Bets comes in and decides to pop the stock, and it triggers the margin calls on all these hedge funds. And now all these hedge funds, the brokers are telling them, hey, we're selling your position. You've lost too much of our money. And yeah, we want our money now. And it ended up causing some hedge funds to actually declare bankruptcy and to be inje- and some others to be injected with cash infus- infusions by other investors in order to avoid declaring bankruptcy. It's seriously 
did a massive amount of pain to these hedge funds. It really did. That that should not be understated. These hedge funds were dealt a very serious blow, and all from uh, what what you know these investors that most of the time they call most of the time are referred to dumb money because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, uh, the funny thing is, is that stock, the stock market, you know, Wall Street does this all the time to everyday people. It's called a pump and dump scheme, right? You pump up a stock, you, you make it sound really great, even though it's not, you pump it up and then you get tons of people involved, tons of people to buy, 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 buy. And then you sell at the top and it dumps the stock and it hurts people. It happens all the time. It's been around since the dawn of time. All right. And you know, Wall Street's perfectly fine with it so long as they're the only ones that are doing it, but they don't like it when someone does it to them. That's kind of what happened here. So what ended up occurring is that the Wall Street bets retail investors popped the stock up and caused all of those margin calls to be hit. Now, again, in a short selling position, you have to buy at a high price and sell at a low price to make money. If it goes higher than that, in order to mitigate losses, You've got to sell your position by buying back at a higher price than what you originally sold at. And now, instead of taking the difference and profiting, you have to take the difference and it's now a loss. And this is what effectively causes. And when they do this, because they have so many positions that are on, because they have they, they have so many shares of this company, when they ha- are forced to buy back in, it causes what's called a short squeeze, okay? And a short squeeze is basically where in order, you got to get out of the position. Maybe a margin call has happened. The brokers are going to sell your positions, or maybe you're, you're deciding to sell the positions anyways, whatever. It causes you to purchase back the stock that you borrowed and sold, and it causes the price to skyrocket even more because now you're buying more all the shares back up again to give them back to whomever you borrowed. And that's what a short squeeze is. So this Wall Street bets group caused a short squeeze, forcing all these hedge funds to buy back in, forcing margin calls on a lot of them to buy back their shares at a loss. And it was very, very, very painful for the hedge funds. And that's basically, in a nutshell, that that is more or less what happened, right? Now, this was a terrible move on the Wall Street bets, guys. The reason I say that this was a revolution is because many people on Wall Street bets they understand. I joined the group after hearing about it, and they know darn well that they're going to lose money, that they're going to take it on the chin. They don't care. You see, this wasn't about a smart, savvy, strategic move. This wasn't about making money. This wasn't about financially profiting off the situation. This was about screwing over who they thought was the, the the big guy, the ruling class. They were sick and tired of jobs being hurt. And then you got this company coming in short selling. You see what the reason that hedge funds were short selling GameStop was because GameStop's was having an earnings report soon. And they were expecting the, a really, really bad earnings report, which is more than likely still going to happen, which if you miss the earnings, from the estimates. There's a lot a lot of firms out there who do estimates as to what they think the earnings should be. It is so funny because when the earnings are missed, the company takes the blame instead of the researcher. I don't understand that. The researchers are not normally affiliated with the companies at all. You know, people pay them for their research and stuff, these analysts. And yet for whatever reason, when the earnings are missed, we blame the companies, not the analysts. And then we sell the companies and hurt the companies instead of being like, hey, analyst, you predicted this wrong, you jerk. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't understand that that mentality at all. But that. But when that happens and you miss what the analysts say you should have had for your earnings, what they think you should have had, people tend to sell. And that's what was, that's what they thought was going to happen with GameStop. That's why they thought it was almost a sure thing, a sure bet that this was going to happen. So now a bunch of th- these hedge funds, which again, while they manage money from everyday people, you know, it's not always a bunch of r- rich, wealthy fat cats out there. You know, in the end, they are, they are operated by some very wealthy individuals, some very, sometimes some very highly intelligent, wealthy individuals. And they got hurt. And now they're mad. They want retribution. They're part of the ruling class, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what this was. This, that's, that's why I call this a financial revolution because this is what happened. It was financial warfare, if you, if you want to think of it that way. Not in the sense of printing money and devaluing the currency, but in the sense of we recognize we have a way of hurting the ruling class, the, these big, rich, wealthy you know, hedge fund managers and owners of the hedge fund companies. And you know, these executives, we're going to stick it to them and we're going to hurt you really bad. And that's what they did, even though it was to the detriment of the retail investors involved. And this is something that no one's talking about. What are the implications for the overall stock market? What are the implications for regulations? What are the implications here? What are going to be the consequences for the decisions that were made? Well, first and foremost, it's caused the VIX. The VIX is the volatility index that a lot of investors use to determine whether or not they want to be in the market or not. And it's caused the VIX to rise exponentially, okay? And it's not just because of the one, the rising in a few sh- shares. You see, what happened was that a lot of these companies, a lot of these hedge funds, when they take those losses... They have to sell positions in more profitable ventures, more profitable investment decisions. They have to sell their positions there to make up for the losses. And so one situation, one bad trade on GameStop or AMC, let's assume this hedge fund, these hedge funds had a position in GameStop. They had a couple billion dollar position there. They had a couple billion dollar position in, in AMC and BlackBerry. If they had positions in any one of these companies and they were shorting them all, this was going to be very bad for them. Even if they had a billion dollar position in one, that's bad. But having it in more than one, that's even worse, obviously. More losses, right? So what some people are speculating, this could actually have some pretty profound effects on the actual market. If they have to sell positions, if they take enough of a loss where they have to sell positions, other positions that they are holding in the stock market, this could cause a widespread crash in in the market. Now, I don't think that that's going to happen, but that's what some people are speculating. That again, it's not, it's not. It's not, it's never an easy situation, right? It's never an easy thing to think about. There's always other facets. Always, you always have the knowledge problem. Uh, Frederick Hayek talked about this all the time, then having the knowledge problem, not knowing all the variables. This is why you can't ever have a centrally planned economy because you don't really know all the variables. And as a result, you're going to take what you do know and you're going to use that to try to control everything. But in reality, all the things that you don't know are going to come at you and bite you in the butt because you freaking didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know all the, all the variables. You didn't know all the circumstances that could have all the unintended consequences that could occur. Well, Wall Street bets, unfortunately, is going to cause a lot of consequences to occur that they are... I don't know if they're fully aware of that, that, that. I think they might be aware of, of some of them, but they're certainly not aware of all of them. 
So anyways, if the losses were bad enough, it could cause these hedge fund companies to sell off positions elsewhere, causing the VIX to rise more, which causes everybody else to want to sell. And it could cause a cascading domino effect, something of that nature that could happen. Not I'm not saying it will, but it could. The other thing that it's going to do is there's a lot of people out there that are calling for regulators to get involved. You see, now there are brokers like Robinhood, TD Ameritrade that are preventing people from from buying and selling or they're restricting what you can and cannot do with your money. Say, well, we don't want to let you buy shares anymore of GameStop. We don't want to let you buy shares of this. They're really slitting their own throats because it's, it's going to piss a lot of them off. And they're all basically, going to go, okay, fine, I'm going to withdraw my money and go somewhere else. But that's what they're doing and they're taking sides. They're saying, oh, we don't like how Wall Street was hurt. Oh, well, we're part of the Wall Street establishment. We don't like that, so we're just not going to let you trade. Now, it's not every broker that's doing this, but there's a lot of brokers that are. And what this is causing is many traders are, say, are, are clamoring now for government to step in and stop the brokers from preventing traders to trade the companies affected. And then the hedge funds are saying, we need a court case because these people caused us to lose a lot of money. We're fine when we do it to them, but we're not happy when they do it to us. You see, that you have an issue in America today where if you're rich and you're wealthy, you play by different rules. If it goes to a court case, who do you think is going to win? Do you think, do you think the retail investors are going to win? Or do you think the hedge funds that have billions of dollars at their disposal are going to pay some lobbying groups to come in, line the pockets of certain people, and therefore win the court case? Uh, if they win the court case, what's that going to cause? New, probably new regulations on everyday retail investors, restrictions on what you can do with your money in the markets. That's what it's going to cause. See, everyone's clamoring for the government to get involved. I think that's a bad idea, personally. I think the government needs to stay the heck out of it. Keep its dirty fingers off. Don't get involved. There was nothing illegal with what the, 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 the Reddit group did, Wall Street bets. There was nothing illegal with what the hedge funds were doing, as far as I'm aware. Okay, nothing illegal with short selling, nothing illegal with borrowing more money in order to engage in and trading ventures. There's nothing illegal with doing that. It's not wise, but there's nothing illegal with it. Okay, there's nothing illegal with doing the things that any one of part, any one of these parties were at, was actually engaged in. There's no reason that the freaking government needs to get involved. Now, with regards to restricting brokers' acts, you know, the ability to trade stuff, it's not like they're locking up your money, your accounts, and saying you're not allowed to withdraw your money. It's not like they're doing that because then you could make the argument that they might be stealing your money or something of that nature. I don't know. I'm sure that there's some legal verbiage in the documents that you sign when you apply for one of these brokers that pretty much gives them the ability to do that. But, you know, that aside, what's occurring here is you've got two sides of the aisle that are now clamoring for regulators and clamoring for government to get involved. And I think this is very dangerous. There's absolutely no reason, no reason at all for the government to get involved. Do I agree with brokers preventing you from managing your money how you see fit? No, I don't agree with that. Do I agree with them saying that, oh yeah, we, they're, they're taking a side with, with Wall Street. We don't want to let you buy or sell more GameStop stocks. No, I, I don't agree with that. But in the end, I, I think that th there's no reason to get government involved. There just isn't. Yes, I, I think a good society, a perfect society should be where the law allows for everyone to have equal opportunity. So everyone plays by the same rules, whether you're rich or you're wealthy or anything of the sort. 
Now, I disagree with equality, okay? I don't believe equality exists. Equality does not exist. Equality of outcome does not exist. And frankly, equality of opportunity also does not exist. And it has never existed throughout all of human history. This idea of equality of opportunity that Milton Friedman made very, very popular and a lot of free market individuals makes very popular, it's really more of a, it's a nice sentiment. It's a nice thought. It's never existed and never will. I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue it. I'm not saying we shouldn't try but understand that it will never fully exist that way. It just won't. Equality of opportunity is a great idea, and I think that we should strive towards it, but I don't, th- I don't know if we could ever truly ever achieve it. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't try, all right? That's the idea. You know, it, it, it sucks, and many people get very angry, very disenchanted with a system that's, that, that's there when they start to realize that, oh, the ruling class, the rich and the wealthy, they get to play by a different set of rules. So what, their response, burn it all. Screw them all. Who cares? We need a new system. Unfortunately, they're very short-sighted. The system that, that, that's going to replace it will more than likely be the worst than the system that was there before. That typically human history, that's, that's normally what happens. The system that they destroyed was probably better than the system that was there before. I mean, you can just look at the French Revolution, right? The monarchy that they overthrew was better. I know it wasn't perfect, but it was better than what they replaced it with. The people tried to replace it and it was even more violent and more vitriolic and, and even worse than the monarchs were. Which, naturally, they drove the economy into the ground. They didn't manage it any better. And they ended up having to go back to a monarchy. Granted, now that they don't have a monarchy anymore, and they're democratic now, but like that's going well for them. The nation of France is bankrupt. Okay? They've got more regulations than I can, than I can even possibly think of. Most companies have to hire people based off contract. They can't even have normal employees. They just hire everyone based off contract now. Because there's so many freaking regulations that were intended to help the little guy. Yeah, sure. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, every time regulations get enacted, it's always marketed you, towards helping the little guy, to, be, to protecting you, protecting the consumer. But almost always, it doesn't. It almost always never does. It always ends up hurting the very people they claim it's there to support. In fact, it, it, I don't even believe that it, the real true intention is ever to help the little guy. I think the real true intention is to screw over the little guy because the ruling elites basically look down on the little guy and say that you're a bunch of plebs, you're a bunch of rubes, you're stupid, and you don't know what you should do with your own money. We, we could do it better. We could do it better. We're going to manage it for you because you're too dumb to manage your own money in your own life. That's effectively what they're saying. When regulations come in, it's, it, it should be highly offensive. You don't know how to manage your own life, so we're going to come in and protect you from yourself because you're too dumb. A lot of regulations are marketed as protecting the consumer. In the reality, what they're saying is the consumer is too stupid to know what to do with their own property, so we're going to tell you what you can do with your, what you can and cannot do with your property. We're going to regulate you. We're going to bill it as it's, it's for your benefit, but it's like they're, wail, they're punching us and they're wailing on us, telling us it's for our benefit, right? It's like they knocked us to the ground and they're on top of us just wailing on us. If we don't stop them, they're going to kill us, but they're telling us, oh, don't worry, it's for your benefit. It's okay. Bam, whack. Oh, you're fine. You got a bloody nose. You got a puffy eye. Don't worry. You're good. I'm going to break your jaw here. Don't worry. It's for your benefit. It's going to protect you. 
That's what it's like. That's what's going on here. Every time regulations come out that are meant to protect you, they're not. There should be a high, they should be an insult to us. How dare you tell me what I can and cannot do with my property? How dare you when you say that I'm too dumb? So you have to make a regulation to protect me. I protect me, not you. I control my destiny, not you. I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul, not you. I determine where my life goes and how my life turns out, not you. And we need more people that think that way, frankly. I mean, we do. We need a lot more people that think that way, and we don't have enough. We are a minority, an ideological minority, and we shouldn't be. We got the right ideas. Unfortunately, we don't have enough microphone. We don't have a big enough microphone to change enough hearts and minds. Our message is being suppressed, if you want to think about it that way. While technically speaking, our me- I mean, especially with all the censoring now, does anyone really believe that our message is not being suppressed? I don't like to give money to advertise on like Facebook, Amazon, or Twitter, or Facebook, Twitter, or, or YouTube, because I know that even, I don't trust them. If I give them the money, how do I know they're actually going to give me a fair shake and put it in front of enough people? How do I know they're not just trying to suck all the money out of me? Whereas if, if you were a high progressive and they could see that, then, and you gave them tons of money, they would make sure to get in front of everyone they could. How do I know the system isn't rigged against me? It is rigged against me. But you see, here's the difference between me and the Wall Street Bets guys. Okay? I acknowledge the same things that they acknowledge. I acknowledge the issues. I acknowledge that we are all being screwed and the system is not in our favor. But instead of saying that I'm going to flip the table over and burn the system and build something new. I'm just going to say that the system is the way that it is. And there's absolutely nothing that we can do to change it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn to work inside the system. I'm going to learn to use the system to benefit me. And I'm going to use what I have in my disposal to get ahead. So if the problem is that I don't have enough wealth, then I'm going to acquire more wealth. If the problem is that I don't have enough power, then I'm going to acquire more power. I'm going to use the system in order to improve my situation. You see, the system can't really be changed. So you either can say, I'm going to destroy the system and try to build something new, or I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that the system is the way that it is. I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but I can still use it to my advantage. I just have to find a way how to do that. And that's my mentality that I don't like the system. I don't like the way that it's set up, but I'm still going to find a way to use it to my benefit so that I can maintain my freedoms and be as free as possible. Look, it's more about making the best of the situation rather than trying to burn everything and build something new that is largely going to end up in a worse situation than we were in before. And that's the difference between me and the Wall Street Bets guys. But you see, the way that the way that they're behaving is they're mad at the whole system and they want to burn it all, thinking that they can rebuild something else that's new. And when we're all upset, and we as people, we as humans, when we're all upset and everything, it's difficult to think rationally. And the way that they are thinking is very irrational. You know, we as people do all kinds of irrational things when we're emotionally upset, right? I I, I talked about that in the last in, in the last episode, episode eighty one. Which, by the way, we're now above 80s. That's, that's pretty cool. I'm very excited about that. But anyways, <laughs> the, it was an irrational action. They don't care if they drive themselves into the ground. 
as long as they hurt the ruling class, that's all they want. This is a very destructive mindset. This is a, a mindset that's very, very self-destructive. They are knowingly engaging in self-destructive behavior. They're okay with actually losing money for a company that where the, the, it doesn't even make sense to invest in. It's a sign of the times. And ladies and gentlemen, I mean, Look, we saw mobs, you know, destroying buildings and lives. It's just angry rioters, you know, doing untold amounts of damage to local businesses. The very places that some of them even shop. Now, granted, many of these rioters may not have actually lived in there. They may have been paid. I, I don't know. I, I certainly think the organizers were paid. The ones who got everyone riled up. I don't know about the actual people who were so actually rioting and breaking into stores and stuff. I'm not sure about them. But with that said, though, we saw lots of angry mobs. We saw, you know, some some people break into the Capitol, although there is a lot of speculation there, too. We're not going to get into that because it's irrelevant. The fact of the matter is that the obvious theme that's going on here are that there's a ton of people who are incredibly, incredibly angry. And unfortunately, it's not going to go away. They're engaging in very self-destructive, knowingly engaging in very self-destructive habits. They're okay with losing money. Again, this is just part of that anger that's going on. My opinion is that you acknowledge that this is the way it is and you learn to operate inside of it and to use the system to benefit you. Okay? There are lots of people out there that do it every single day. They discover this is the way the system works. I'm going to use it to my advantage. They look for opportunities. And that's how everything... I think that's the best way forward. I really do. I think that you learn how the, the, the game is played. You understand it's there's an unfair advantage and you understand that, which there's always unfair advantages, so I don't know why anyone's belly aching and getting all upset. I mean, we don't exactly say that it's an unfair advantage when freaking uh, sports players are much better at the sports than, than us. I mean, granted, it's usually because it's like, oh yeah, well, they're a hard worker. They have all this extra talent. They've earned the money. We're really, I guess when people get mad, it's largely when they feel like the, the advantage is not earned. It's just granted to them and it seems arbitrary to us. And it's like, okay, I, I, can, I can understand the anger there. But in the end, ladies and gentlemen, okay, in the end, the best way forward is to understand, is to acknowledge this is the world we live in, to accept it. And instead of saying, let's burn it to the ground or let's not play, we say this, we learn how the game is played and we use the game. We use the system to our advantage. That's what we do. So, so what does that look like? Well, it looks like every, uh, <laughs> what I always say with every single show, we take control of the source of our income. We control our, we, we, we start our own businesses. We find a way to make money on our own that we control, that we, uh, we control the source. We turn it into mobile income so that we're mobile and we can leave if we have to, if we want to stay, we can, but we don't, we're not obligated to stay. And then we try to become as wealthy as we possibly can. We try to make as much money as we possibly can. And in order to do that, you need to take, you need to throw off the chains of having a nine to five job. Now, I'm not trying to say go quit your job. What I'm trying to say is that you, the nine to five job restricts how much money you can make. You have a contract, you have a salary, right? Even if you're hourly, there's a contract that says you're hourly, but it restricts how much money you can make. Now, if you're in a sales position, technically that, no, that doesn't. But if you're in a typical nine to five job, you're getting paid a certain amount of money every year. It's guaranteed, but it's what, it's what they give you so that you give up on your dreams. It shackles you to them, makes you a wage slave to them. That's what it does. 
the guaranteed aspect of it makes it feel safe and secure, even though it's not. You want to build loyalty to a company that will not be loyal to you. They'll lay you off before you can blink. It's not personal, it's just business, right? I mean, hey, look. I don't begrudge a company for for laying people off. I know it's a hard decision to make and it sucks. But in order for the company to survive, in order for them to be able to maintain paying thousands... I mean, the company does not exist to provide jobs. The company exists to make money. Okay? If they wanted to cut it down to one person, I don't care. That, that's that's their prerogative. That's what they want to do. You know, if I own a company, I'm that's my prerogative. If I want to do that, that's fine. If I want to be a one-man show, then fine. Not saying that's what I want to do, but I'm just saying that I don't begrudge people. The point of business is to make money, but every ethical dollar earned is a product of value creation. If you want to earn money and become wealthy ethically, help other people get what they want, provide value to them. And if you own your own business, there is no limit to how much money you can make. There is no limit to the success that you can have. I know that there's a lot that's stacked against us, but we still live in one of the the greatest nations on earth. Is it the greatest? I don't know, but it's one of them. It's becoming less so every single day, every single year. But it's still one of the greatest nations in the world. And we have won the genetic lottery by being born in it. But it's, it's, it's losing its glamour. We're in the end phase here, I think, of, of this country of this country being great. This country is deteriorating. It is dying. The ideas that made it wonderful and amazing are long gone. And it's a shadow of what it once was, and it's only going to deteriorate from there. We need to find a way. We need to obtain wealth and power, and we need to take control of the source of our income so that we can protect ourselves. We can insulate ourselves. Insulate ourselves and our families. And we can have the ability to leave if we have to. Our loyalty is not to a country. Our loyalty is to our, ourselves and our families. That's what we need to strive for. That's what we need to strive for every freaking day. You need to start your own thing. You need to live the liberty lifestyle. Liberty lifestyle is not just this happy-go-lucky lifestyle of being independent so that you can live a, a wonderful, go, go travel every day and go do or all the time and do whatever you want. No, the liberty lifestyle is intended to protect as well. It's great to be able to live the lifestyle and, you know, if you want to go up and travel, you know, go to freaking Italy whenever you want. Sure, you could just get up and go. You control the source of your income. You're the boss. You cho- you choose what you want to do. You want to go buy a yacht because you made enough money? Then you earned it. Go do it. It's great. The Liberty lifestyle is not just about being financially successful. It's how we are financially successful. We have to be financially successful, but we have to do it by being as independent as we possibly can, by not relying on people that as, as much as we possibly can, at least not relying on the individuals who are freaking, uh, you know, who, who share different ideologies or at least, or who even care about the ideologies for that matter. We need to control everything that we possibly can control. Doesn't mean that we're going to be one man island here where, you know, doesn't mean that. But we need to control absolutely everything that we can possibly control, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we need to strive to do. If we can, if we can control it and be independent, we need to take that opportunity and we need to start living the values that we claim that we have each and every day. 
You guys are libertarians. You guys are going out there and you're preaching the ideas of libertarianism. You're, you're getting involved in, you know, conversation on social media and stuff. And you're like, yeah, you love it when you hear these libertarian freedom loving ideas. I understand that. But are you truly living those values? Are you practicing what you preach is what I'm trying to get at. Most of you are not. The vast majority of you aren't, but I challenge you to be. I challenge you to try to come up with an idea to this week. I want you to do this. I want you to sit down and I want you to think of what you want your day to be like, your perfect day. If you had a choice, if you had the ability to have the perfect day, what would your perfect day look like? And a perfect day meaning the a perfect day in which you had to work. Like what would that what would that look like? Not a perfect day. Well, so Matthew, if I had a perfect day, I wouldn't want to work. Yeah. Yeah, you and everyone else, me too. But no, that's that's beside the point. A perfect day with regards to work. You had to do work. What would your perfect day look like? What would you do? What what would what would your job be? What would you do? Would you wake up in the morning, trade forex, stocks, options? And that would be your job? Maybe you work for a couple hours in the morning, then you're done for the day? I don't know. What, what does it look like to you? And then, so I want you to sit down and I want you to think about that this week. I also want you to think about, okay, now I want you to write it down. Okay. Write it down and then start brainstorming on how, what you can do to achieve that life. What you can do to, you know, maybe you don't want to have debt. Okay. What can you do to achieve that? I want to control the source of my income. Okay, what does that look like? What do I want to do for the rest of my life? You know, if I want to control the source of my income, that means I got to create a business or I got to do something. What does that mean? What do I want to do? How do I want to achieve it? Okay, remember, Liberty Lifestyle is about how we achieve the success. It's not about the success in, in, inherently. It's about how we do it. You can be very successful and 100% reliant on other people in order to do so. And all they got to do is cut off, cut you off, and you're screwed. That's not being independent. That's not living the liberty lifestyle. We've got to be living living the liberty lifestyle is being independent and controlling as much as you possibly can so no one can censor you, so no one can shut you down. So you can live that wonderful life that you want, not worried about finances, traveling, buying whatever you want. You know, you can live that type of lifestyle, assuming that you have the money to do so and you're managing your money appropriately, but you're not dependent on somebody else to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a liberty lifestyle. And as libertarians, we need to be living that lifestyle. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> for a long time, I, I've, I've been saying on the show that I, I don't, I'm not a libertarian. Okay. I say that. Frankly, if you listen to me, you know that a lot of that is BS because you know that I, I speak a lot about libertarian ideas. I very much believe in them. I just don't like associating myself with the party. And there's also a lot of part of me that's like, you know, I'm not really sure that I am a libertarian. You know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I've always thought I'm a monarchist. Does that make, does that invalidate me as a libertarian? Well, depends on who you talk to and depends on how you define it. I, I think in most cases it would not. It depends on the type of monarch, monarchical system that I would support and all that kind of stuff. A, a highly decentralized system where, you know, your, your cities and towns are, are owned by a monarch and it's highly decentralized. That would be the ideal system. I don't know if that's just a utopian society that will never happen again uh, or because I, I do believe it happened at one point. You know, feudal age, it was, it was very much like that. You had an aristocratic control and stuff. Anyways, we're not going to get into that. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't, uh, I've been saying it for a long time that I'm not a libertarian because I don't feel like I am 
like I like like I agree with everything the libertarians do agree with. Uh, but you know, the more and more I think about it, I just don't want to be associated with the crazy lib- the, the crazy part of libertarianism, right? We all know we all know who we're talking about. You all know who I'm talking about, right? The crazy libertarians, right? I I certainly would be a small L. I would not be associated with the Libertarian Party. And I don't know. For me, I kind of just would. I kind of liked that I was more playing off the more Walter Williams. I don't say I'm a Libertarian, but I share a lot of the same, the same sympathies, the same ideas, and I agree with a lot of the same ideologies and stuff of that nature. But I, I you know, I, I am me and you are you and whatnot, and we're going to go our ways. But you know, we're allies in this. But I'm not really a Libertarian. That's what I'm kind. I've, I've been for a long time, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, being silly about it. You know, and fr- frankly, if I'm really honest with myself, I, I, I would say that I am a libertarian. I think while I have some discrepancies here and there, overall, I would still say that I'm, I self-identify as a libertarian. So there you go. I admitted it. I finally changed my mind. I figured I was going to do this eventually at some point. I just, I just didn't want to be associated with a lot of negativity, a lot of the negative things that libertarians are associated with. But I preach libertarian ideas all the time. Austrian economics, free markets, all that stuff. There are sometimes areas where I disagree with, sure. I mean, sometimes I question whether the freedom of speech is something that, is that just a, a nice sentiment? Should we really have it? Has it ever been present in human history? Uh, not always, no. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I agree. I don't know. I wouldn't promote the freedom of speech on my own platform in the sense that there are certain kinds of speech that I wouldn't want on my own group or anything like that. I mean, it's, I'm not going to be letting people attack people in my MeWe group. Does that mean I'm not against freedom of speech? Or I'm, I'm against most speech? Anyways, I've had questions, right? I've had wonderings. I still question it to this day. I mean, the ideas of socialism and communism has been spread vastly wide because of the freedom of speech. Because of that idea, we've allowed evil ideas to spread. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It bothers me. It bothers me that socialism and communism who's, that, that literally hold the blame for killing billions of people in this world, and yet we are, in many ways, we're allowing that speech to continue. Should we? The freedom of speech would mandate that we do. So I think I still am very much a supporter of the freedom of speech for the most part, but there are those questions that I've had in my head that's made me wonder, okay, am I, am I a libertarian? I don't know. But you know what? Frankly, if you look at the vast majority of stuff that I believe and what I say, yeah, I admit it. I am a libertarian. Granted, I'm a libertarian monarchist, I suppose, because I am a monarchy or a monarchist and whatnot. I believe that's... Not the perfect system, but probably the best that humanity can achieve. And I don't think that human I don't think that anarcho-capitalism is something that I don't think it would work out the way that people think it would. Okay, I, but if I wasn't a monarchist, I probably would be an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, it's just that I don't I don't think that a lot of people I don't think anarcho-capitalism would work out the way that most people think. And we'll do another episode on that at a later time. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Big revelation. Big news came out. I finally said it. I am a libertarian. Small L. I don't support the libertarian party. I don't support any political party. I don't like democracy. I don't like any of that stuff. But so small L and and whatnot, but I am a libertarian. So there you go. Anyways, 
Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys learned a lot about what was happening in GameStop and everything in the markets. I know it was very, very, very complicated. I went through a lot of stuff very quickly. This is a very long show as a result of it, but I hoped that I explained the situation very well. I hope that I gave my my opinions on it very well. I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys learned a lot about it. Again, nothing illegal happened to my knowledge and regulators should not get involved. That's the that that's the crux of it. You know, keep your dirty paws off, right? That's what we should be saying to the government. Just stay out of it. There's nothing you know, let the people who got hurt, let them lick their wounds, wounds and they and they'll survive. They'll go do something else or whatever. And the people who had success, let them revel in it. End of story. That's it. Nothing more. Nothing else to see here. You know, that, that, that's my opinion on it, but you guys, you, you guys know a lot more, more and more about that. So anyways, ladies and gentlemen, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I very much did. If you did, make sure to like and subscribe, make sure to share it. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. You guys come in here and you spend time with me. I love that. And I I absolutely love it. So you guys, you know, you guys being here is part of why I'm here. So we grow because of you. So if you guys like what you're hearing here, you're getting a lot of value out of it. Make sure to not just keep it as a uh, one kept secret on the internet. Make sure to help me spread this message to bring more people to the idea of libertarianism, Austrian economics, free markets, and just help me bring this idea of, of living the liberty lifestyle. Help me spread that message. If you love it and you're 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 eating it up and you're agreeing with what I'm saying, then please help me to sh- to spread this message and please share the show. Okay. And on top of that, it, again, if you really like it, make sure to leave me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show deserves it. I hope it does. And on top of that, if you want to support the show financially and you're really loving it, you want to help to ensure that I keep coming in here and I keep, you know, I'm able to do this, then uh, consider becoming a supporting listener of the show, getting access to the Matthew Spazzini program and the Liberty Informant, my paid-for podcast where I come in and I read articles from the Foundation for Economic Education, the Mises Institute, and the American Institute for Economic Research, as well as intellectualtakeout.org. You know, I think this is a lot of really great information that you guys will get a lot of value out of, and by turning them into audio files, you guys will be able to listen to it at your own convenience. Not to mention, you get to see what I'm reading in my research every single week, which I think is highly valuable enough in itself. Of course, I'm biased naturally. It's my own research, but you know, when I'm researching what I'm reading, you guys can to see that by being a supporter of the show. So you get all those goodies and I'm sure in the future there will probably be more than that. But as of right now, that's what I can provide. So I hope you guys enjoy that. If you're getting value out of it, consider subscribing and I'll I'll go ahead and I'll put the, the links in the show notes page below. All right, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this one. As always, I love you guys very much. Thank you so much for being here. Keep coming back. You guys are going to be the most informed people that you know. You're going to be highly informed. You want to know what's going to happen in the future. You come to the show and you listen today. So thank you so much for being here. I love you guys. And hey, as always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and I'll see you next time. 